Welcome to the Nightbird Radio Podcast. I'm Timothy Saylor, and I'm going to be your host this evening as we sound out the subconscious, navigate the nocturnal, and explore the farthest reaches of our experience. Coming at you from the back of an 86 Dodge Ram van on the rolling foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains in the Great Forest, deep in the heart of the Kali Yuga. This is Radio for the Hauntological Turn. And welcome back, Nightbirds. I sure have missed you. The Uranus-Mars-North-Node conjunction certainly held some explosivity for me, just as Mel warned. It wouldn't let me go without a little bit of a shake-up. The fate of Nightbird Studios hung in the balance, as the faithful machine I used to record this podcast took a fatal shit. To the scrap heap with it. Well, some of it at least. I think the rest can be salvaged. At any rate, that's all over now, and let's never speak of this again. We are back in business. Thanks for patiently waiting. On this episode, I talk with Jack Steiger. He's a stand-up comic, a necromancer, and a hell of a guy. We covered a wide range of topics. We talked self-improvement, navigating flow and discipline, animism, the saints, ancestors, land spirits, synchronicity, necropolitics, the Cahokia Mounds and other ancient mounds of Turtle Island, and so much more. I had a great time talking with Jack, and I hope you enjoy it as well as I did. So without further ado, let's fly. I am now recording. Jack Steiger, welcome to Nightbird Radio. Thank you. It's, uh, it's great to be here. I've been looking forward to this. I've been looking forward to it, too. We were just having a conversation before we started recording. Did you want to continue with that or do you want to just clean the slate? Well, uh, we were talking about stand up. Uh, uh, we were, I think, actually, we were talking about um, parasitic entities that feed off of negative emotion. And we were talking about how you feel that your uh, history with substance abuse produced some really good works of writing. And it just brought to mind a conversation I was having last night at a show where someone was talking to me about the, 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 the neurotic nature of comics. And he was suggesting that, that the, the neuroticism is somehow responsible for comedians, you know, talent. And, and I, and I kind of push back against that because I actually don't think that's the case. You know, like I do think that there is definitely a lot of neurotic comics uh but uh i think the and and it is i think in some sense what brings them into stand-up but i don't think it's necessarily like you know it's it's what makes them funny and i think that there's a trap there because i think a lot of comics identify with the things that are uh wrong with them (laughs) and uh and it's a trap it's literally in some sense like it is i i think in a lot of these cases, it's and perhaps all of them, it's a parasitic entity that is tricking them into feeding the, them so that they continue perpetuate the uh, their uh, the, the the parasite, you know. And like, because I've noticed that, like, as I've gotten more well, like, you know, I'm in a lot of ways an erotic mess, you know, still, but like, I was a lot worse, uh, you know, a while ago, and. Um, but as I've gotten more well, 
across a variety of metrics. Like I don't feel I'm not less funny. I think I'm more funny as a comic. And uh, I, so I think that there's a trap there. Like I think, and, and perhaps that is something with, with you. I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to be, be, I'm not trying to be anybody's life coach right now, but it's like, perhaps, you know, you're capable of doing the writing that you achieved while you were, you know, in the grips of addiction, but there's perhaps the lingering ghost of, uh, of those substances are just there. And they're, and they're trying to say like, well, you can't, you know, this is there waiting for you. If you just come back to me. Mm, interesting. That's an interesting way to see it. Yeah. yeah. I think there's, I mean, cause like I was saying, like, I, I know that I did it. I know that I wrote those things. That was a hundred percent me. Right. I think really, yeah, that's an interesting way of looking at it for sure. Um, yeah, I know that, that to some extent, some of it might be that those things were able to give me like a peace of mind maybe or a a not give a fuckness if that's a phrase that uh, made me able to access that where that's not they're not the only things that are able to give me that right mm-hmm. but they want me to think that they are see what I'm saying so there are yeah. healthy ways to access that flow state or healthier ways and probably more effective ways in ways that aren't like a Faustian bargain that literally trades away pieces of your life force for instant gratification. Yeah. Yeah. It could, it could be a belief that you have. And it's like, you know, yeah, it, it's hard to change your beliefs because they're beliefs. Like beliefs are like thoughts that have cemented, you know, and cement is hard to break apart. But, uh, you know, you can do it like and um, but it is hard, like it's very hard to purge yourself of convictions that you've made and have, and have had for a long time. Yeah, but it's it's some of the most rewarding work. That's, you know, like the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you see. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Do you ever do like like you active imagination or like like yeah, I know, like a lot. I I know you you journey. I've listened to the podcast and you've described journeying, but like have you ever done it in like 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 a in in the kind of classic Jungian therapeutic context? Yeah, in like the red book sense. Um. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't. I mean, no. Because that might be worth doing in your case if you're trying to you know, undo this, this, if, if it is the case that it is a, uh, self, uh, defeating belief that you have, like it, it may be, cause oftentimes we, you know, we do this like journeying process for spirit contact. And, uh, it is, I just think broadly speaking, like I'm, I'm in a, like currently my kind of, you know, worldview is like everything is spirit. So there's nothing that really isn't spiritual work. Um, but if you approached it from like maybe the classical Jungian angle, like like encountering the um, the entities or or just that 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 uh, um, calcified belief system, like that might be a way a, a way to go, you know. 
But because um, again, like journey, you, I know you journey, and I've heard you describe it. But um, there is the like, you know, the way that Jung. I mean, and Jung was essentially doing, you know, like what, like you know, he just called it active imagination to just be fancy because he was hiding his wizardliness. Yeah. Um, but um, there, it might be worth thinking with it as a therapeutic technique. Yeah. I mean, I like that idea. Um, mm. And I like the, yeah, like that sort of self-interrogation. Mm. Yeah. It's fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, now, granted, you know, it's not all that, right? Because there are definitely like other beings that you encounter. But yeah i mean like all thoughts are like like honestly like it's i've gotten to the point where i've been like contemplating like what like i don't really even think any thoughts are trivial anymore yeah like um or at least i i, I treat them all as potential and this sounds like a path to schizophrenia but like when i like close my eyes like if i like lay down and just close put earplugs in and close my eyes like like i just treat everything that's going on as like a genuine spirit encounter and so like the self-interrogation, even if you don't necessarily do like active imagination in like the uh, classic sense, like even if it is just, you know, talking to yourself, like that is still spiritual. That's still a, a spiritual encounter. At least that's, that's, that's how I see it. What were you afraid of as a child? <laughs> it's a good question. Um, it's uh i was afraid of going to sleep because i was afraid i would get nightmares you had a lot of nightmares no not really but if i was i was sufficiently scared of them to the point where i would not necessarily want like i i would be hesitant to go to sleep because i'd be afraid of what would happen do you have any particular nightmares that really like set that off are there some that stand out to you I don't actually recall. Um, I had, uh, like, there were some upsetting dreams that I had. Like, I had, uh, I remember when I had, like, one of my earliest dreams. This may be my earliest dream. was, like, I had this dream about, like, some kind of weird uh, robot that was, like, on, like, a kind of unicycle robot. And it was going around um, trying to, it was trying to, it was trying to get me and spank me and i remember running away from it and then uh it got me and spanked me a few times and then just scooted away and uh but that that was just that's just a pretty silly dream now that i now that i uh i've talked it out i'm glad you um, shared it <laughs> there's some um yeah like there were some dreams that were just like i had one dream where it was like my mother had was like in the dream my mother had died no, no. What happened was is that she had become pregnant, and uh, but she would be dead for the nine months that it would take for her to uh, have the baby. So there was this really. I was very actually shaken by that dream, and I was very young. Yeah. Um, but it was like it was like she was she had died, even though like she was she, and she would come back when she gave birth to the baby, but for the duration of the pregnancy, she would be dead. And that was a uh, pretty, uh, that was a dream I was not happy about. That was very distressing. Yeah, it is. So, but there weren't like too many uh, terrible dreams that 
I, I can't recall the dreams that I was uh, particularly afraid of. I used to be pretty afraid of horses um, because I would actually have like, I think I had a few dreams about horses. Um, sometimes just walking around. Horses kind of scared me. We had like a, uh, we lived um, growing up. There was a farm behind us and um, there were two horses and uh, my grandpa would uh, take me and my brother out and uh, have us uh, visit the horses. And one of them was named Arthur and he was friendly, but then like there was this other one named Diablo. And my grandpa was like, watch out for Diablo. He's a, he, he's, he's got a temper. The, the, the guy tells me he's a temper. So there's this, this, there was just this unknown fear about this horse named Diablo. <laughs> and uh, so I think that contributed to like, but uh, like an, a mild phobia of horses that I had early on. I'm not. What's your relationship not, now to horses? They're fine. I'm yeah. pretty ambivalent when it comes to horses. Like they don't, they're fine. What about dreams? Not like, What's your relationship now to dreams? Oh, I'm very good at remembering my dreams. I actually have like an, like my dream recall is very, very good. Um, nice. Anything uh, that not, you've worked on? Like, how do you work on that? Or does it just come to you? I find the way to remember dreams is um, to, there's this moment when you wake up where you, it's before you've actually pulled yourself up in any way. Like, it's like, you're kind of like, there's this, you haven't really used your motor functions too much, like, but like, and uh, you're lying there and then you, you, you got to like pull the dreams as, as, as you're waking up before they get away from you. And uh, there seems to be this moment when you like rest yourself from bed and, and like, or other like, or pull the blankets off of you when you, when you exercise like some kind of complex motor function that seems to kind of take you away from the dream world. But there's this state where it's like, you've just come back into the waking and the memories are there. And I find that that's the thing uh, that, that, um, that really helps. And, you know, there are all the classic things about like talking to yourself. I used to do that. But for me lately, I've just I, I don't really even want to uh, devote thought to formulating sentences. Like it's literally just get the memories before they before they go. Cool. So you don't even write them down or anything? I won't write them down in the moment. I'll write them down later when I get to it. But Once I'll remember it. it. Yeah. It's interesting that you say pulling because I do feel like there is a distinct sensation of it's like pulling a thread and like so mm -hmm. i have the end of this thread and i can only see the end of the thread and i'm like well i don't remember any of the dream but this but then if i start to pull on that image or thought then i start getting more yeah it comes up it's interesting and oftentimes i'll like one thing that really helps i should uh, like actually this is a this is a big thing is uh is praying for dream guidance and also specifically yeah. asking for uh for help in remembering it upon waking yeah that absolutely. is big and oftentimes i'll be as i'm waking up and like i'm struggling to remember the dreams i'll actually pray to the person to whom i had prayed for dream guidance and i'll ask for help remembering it and then i know that that really seems to help like that help, helps a lot yeah and then um sometimes it'll just a lot of times it'll ha what will happen to me is like this seems to happen when I'm a little short on sleep is that um, I'll be going about my day and then so something will happen that will remind me of something. And all of a sudden the dreams just come like just 
come just explode into my awareness yeah like, i have that too i love that yeah when that like you just remember just like you see some weird thing like some like word spelled out in a license plate and then it just the whole dream just kind of like just unspools instantly like uh you know um like uh like a tent that like a, you pull a wire and the tent just comes completely like yeah. just gets set up i uh i've had a lot of luck with um the second sleep as well oh yeah oh yeah me, that's a good one and especially too if like say you get like i would get up at sunrise to do specific devotional prayers or whatever and it's like i'm not gonna fucking stay up i'm going back to sleep like i just you know what i mean yeah. And so for that like hour or two, I would get really good communication through that. And especially if I was looking for communication, right? Like mm. um a lot of very good specific stuff from spirits, especially the spirits, you know, if you're like you said, asking for the recall. That's, making that that second sleep part of the practice, right? yeah 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 that that that's that's huge that 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 uh i've noticed that my dream recall is is uh yeah is 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 um i mean i noticed that it helped early on for sure and it, it probably still does but i've just become i feel like you do get better at dream recall like the more you do it like so i've come to the point where it's like and like i'm not bragging when i say i have excellent dream recall like that would be a weird flex but my dream recall <laughs> I don't know if I know anybody who has as good dream call as I. I actually met somebody last night who might. Um, um, but yeah, like um, my dream recall is on point. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's what's up. Yeah, man. Own it. My, I feel mm -hmm. like mine sort of follows the phases of the moon too. Like I, I'm better at recalling my dreams around a full moon is what I've noticed interesting i don't know if that's you know just me or what but yeah. no surely that that's a factor i've never i've never tracked it to that i could probably do that because i have a pretty detailed dream journal so yeah. i could potentially look at that for myself but um yeah for me it's like getting enough sleep and uh um yeah and like my dream journal is like hundreds and hundreds of pages long like it's it, it, uh a true testament to discipline and insanity. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing like, quite so powerful as disciplined insanity, you know? Oh yeah. It's very yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Dangerous. Yeah. And and not necessarily in a bad way, right? We could be dangerous for good. Yeah, you know, there's a reason that berserkers were considered great warriors, you know? Like uh you know, you fighting somebody who's just frothing at the mouth, like you got a problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, dude, I really do think there's something to that. You know, like you mentioned um, when you were talking about all thoughts being some form of spirit contact, and you said this may be something like schizophrenia. I think it absolutely is. And I think it's one of those things where, like, okay, so I may have mentioned this before. I'm not sure. I talk about it a lot. So, whatever. Um, when I first started down this path, this journey, um, magic, occultism, whatever the hell you want to call it. It was like going insane a little bit. Uh, but mm. I also probably was kind of going insane. And 
it was like, you know, the universe starts talking to you and it's like, it's like the world around you is tripping on acid or something, right? You get the synchronicities. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's what Robert Anton Wilson called the chapel perilous, right? Mm-hmm. You're in it. And it's like, what the hell is going on? And so at first I was a very irritating person, probably to everyone that I talked to, because I was making all these connections and I was trying to just like blast these downloads that I had gotten to other people. And they were just like, bro, slow down. You know what I mean? Like, what are you talking <laughs> about? And so, so then coming to learn how to sort of rein that in or you let that work for my benefit has been a really rewarding part of all the kind of practices that we do, like meditation, um, journeying, um, being aware of the messages from your body and from without your body, you know, all that stuff. Um, uh, trying to discern what, when spirits are talking to you, you know, and probably always, right. Mm-hmm. It it mirrors quite a bit that you know. There's that. Um, I want to say it's Joseph Campbell, right? Um, that the psychotic drowns in the same river in which the mystic swims with delight. Something like mm. that. I'm probably misquoting, but it's. What do you What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think that when it comes to like like my early um like spiritual experiences were kind of like there was this like i i was like there was this urgency it's like this is real like like this is this is fucking real and uh so i like and like when you're embedded in like just uh a uh you know society that's you know more essentially based on um uh material rationalism it's like it's like Neo when he, you know, like, well, not, not exactly like Neo. It's totally um, like that. Yeah. Like, um, well, I was kind of remind, reminded of like when Neo, like, like it, it has like gets, gets, uh, told what the matrix is and he's freaking out. He's like, get away from me, get away from me. But it isn't quite like that. There's more like, it's actually kind of like intoxicating when you realize that like spirit is real and that like magic is real and works. Um, and, uh, it's, um, but so, so it's like, but it's not for everybody. So you kind of, it, you know, I've, I've noticed that, like, I think this was, I think that I started getting into magic around the time Neptune entered Pisces, which is apparently a time when like kind of magic seems to have, like that seems to track to the increase or resurgence of magic. And And that was around when? Uh, I don't know offhand, um, but uh, ballpark. Yeah, I can I can look that up. But uh, you got a ballpark? Like what, around when did you get into this? I mean, I'm just out of curiosity. Oh, uh, I think I got. It, I actually have. It was 2015. I actually have the okay. chart for it. It was actually somebody sent me a message. Um, uh, I actually have the message that with somebody sending me some some videos. Um, uh, it was the the Grant Morrison. Uh, uh disinfo oh lecture. yeah that's a that's a great great video great lecture yeah so i actually i actually have the um time and date of my um and location of my uh discovery of magic that's wonderful thing. that's a wonderful thing to have man that's so cool to hear yeah 
Yeah, and I can definitely see what was going on at that moment. Um, and, and it makes a lot of sense. So um, it was around 2015 um, that, that I got into magic. And so I'm relatively, like, I, you know, I didn't actually, you know, have the, you know, an in, I didn't really have an interest in the occult and certainly didn't practice it uh, at any point up to that point. Yeah, I thought it was, um, I wanted it so badly to be real. And I had read, like, so in high school, I was, like, super, like, Christian. But I was always interested in, like, possession and um, Satanists. And it was just always fascinating to me. And But I kind of was able to approach that fascination through, like, uh, oh, well, I have to know, like, what <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, in case I ever have to root out a coven or something. I don't know what the fuck. But I was just... I, it was fascinating and so i learned some about it through that right and then i kind of learned that like oh wait there's like there are people that actually practice this stuff and like some part of me deep inside was like so wanted to do that and wanted it to be real mm -hmm. you know life kind of hit for a long time and um yeah that's uh interesting because like i remember listening to the lecture that Grant Morrison gave where he described the sigil method. And I somehow immediately knew it was real. Like it, he's describing the message. He, he, and he was like, you know, his insistence was, um, you know, go out and try it for yourself and see if it's, see if it's real. And for some reason, when he was talking, maybe I was just, you know, swayed by his uh, charisma, but I immediately knew it was real. And then that night as I was going to bed, I had a very, strange vision as i was going to bed and that that was more you know uh more confirmation than i needed and um yeah so for me like it was like yeah again to use the term intoxicating you know because in some sense like magic i believe magic is like your birthright it's everybody's birthright and it's i uh something that you know, well, let's say the archons have tried to separate us from. Yeah, that's the only way I can see it. Yeah. It's impact. Yeah. Like they want to divorce you of really any kind of spirituality, ultimately. And uh, they'll make certain concessions so that you can have like a milk toast kind of happy, clappy kind of, you know, Christianity or other type of religion, but they, they really do not want you to be empowered by spirit. Yeah. They don't want you under the hood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is interesting because neither do auto manufacturers. <laughs> yeah. They want someone else doing that shit. Well, there's a way in which that's probably fractally like the same thing. Like, yeah, totally. I, yeah. I see it as the same thing. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like that, there's, there's a, an interstitial layer. Like you have to be divided from everything by this archonic layer. I talked about it with Reverend Jangle Bones on that episode. Uh, archondoms. Yep. No, I listened to that. Yeah. The the uh, the archondom. Yeah. The yeah. prophylactic against the messy experience of reality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's some mushrooms I feel like give me sometimes like, it's like, I'm, I feel like I'm a nest. There have been certain mushroom trips that I had years ago where like I would take the mushrooms and like, 
I f it made me realize how anesthetized I was to certain like chronic pain that I was feeling. Mm. Um, and I just was like the entire time I just wanted to crawl back into that, you know, sweet ignorance of, of, of that pain. Um, because, uh, yeah, it's like they, 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 but because that's, that's the trick. Like the archons do give you something. They'll give you something. They'll give you just essentially a very, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll numb you, you know? Did you end up going to Cahokia? Yes, I did. Do you want to talk about that experience? Yeah. So I, I, I had called you cause we were trying to set up this, uh, this call and, um, I, um, as I was talking to you, I was leaving St. Louis and, um, you, um, you advise, like I was talking about going to Cahokia or I saw a sign for it. Cause my friend had recommended to see that I see Cahokia and, uh, you were very excited cause you've always wanted to go there. So, um, and, and you told you, 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 you really pressed me to go and, and see, and, uh, and, and, and so that I could tell you what it was like. So I did go, um, it, I didn't get too much out of it. Like I was trying to like, listen and pay attention to what was going on. And, uh, I had like a, like a, a, a kind of, I did like kind of have this like sense or image of someone being sacrificed, perhaps a child, but overall I got a sense of like the commodification of the place. Like, yeah. and, and like, not like it's not horrendously commodified like it's not like you know like uh like stonehenge las vegas but it's um i got this i was reminded of something gordon talks about which is uh he's often using this uh idea about like ships that have sunk into the ocean and have become coral reefs and have, have been coral reefs for longer than they've been ships so it's like what 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 am it now and so i was i got the sense of the mounds being overgrown by by grass that that that's just what they are now you know because i was kind of trying to because you know i wanted to come to this with like you know i want I, you know i could like told you i had it would be nice to see like i had some crazy aztec vision of just you know like i i was this priests and and like i was you know whatever killing a kid <laughs> sacrificing it to the sun god um but uh it was just kind of the sense of like this is what they are now they're mounds now like whatever role they had is now like like that the, they're just hills that like they're in some sense a reminder of 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 those who came before on the land um but uh yeah i wasn't uh, i didn't spend too much time there because it was quite hot and i was getting a bit cooked so yeah. um um but yeah so that's essentially my experience um there was a curious impression i got from like as i was driving out of there i saw woodhenge like there was this reconstruction of woodhenge and i got like a sense of like woodhenge being like a real party place like i, I i'm speaking out of ignorance here because i don't know much about what like I didn't do, I, I didn't, I don't know that a lot of people do know much about what, and it's mostly speculation. I mean, these people were ancient yeah. when, you know, then when the white man stepped upon the land, Uh huh. these were the ancients to the natives already. Yeah. 
like um when i was i saw woodhenge and i i was struck by like the, the attempt to reconstruct it i saw as kind of like in some sense it was woodhenge wanting to be reconstructed mm. and woodhenge like is part of that complex like it's not actually one of the mounds it's just a complex but i got this like it, visual of it being a place like it was like an outdoor kind of recreation area but i yeah i, I kind of i i the image i got was like people kind of dancing and it was kind of like something that like wasn't like super serious necessarily like there was this kind of recreational sense kind of jaunty that's nice yeah like people dancing youths dancing like you know but that yeah those were my impressions uh, uh, uh of that place cool no it's just i like to hear it and there's been mounds that i've gone to that felt like that too i know like they they're rebuilt a lot of the time um mm-hmm. so it's like a recreation anyway mm-hmm. um right i i kind of do like that feeling of these are now just grass mounds and that's what they are like it wasn't necessarily that they were just grass not mounds. just grass but no not just but like yeah. It was like it was like just isn't sense, the right word. Yeah, like it was like the sense of like this is this is what they are now. Like it would be futile. like these are ancestors of place. Yeah, they've become they've returned to the earth. They're retired. You know, mm, that's interesting. Yeah, like some don't grand- feel like some don't feel like that at all. Oh yeah, some feel quite alive. There are some effigies here that are like buzzing. Mm. That's why I wanted. I was interested to hear what you had to say. Because I think it's it's cool to hear uh, someone that's kind of in tune with this stuff, what their experience of these places uh, is like. Yeah, it was um, it was worth the visit. Uh, maybe one day I'll go back and like, because I will actually pass through there. You know, um, I'm likely to pass through there sometime later this year. Um, so I might I might linger and do a more uh, devoted. You know, I might I might pay attention more. And you can uh, find some. There's, I suggest also trying to find some um, some out of the way mounds as well because it's a totally different vibe, right? Like, uh-huh. and sometimes I do wonder if it's not the will of these places. Like, well, if it's commodified, maybe it was a marketplace at some point. You know what I mean? Like it has, maybe it has the dreaming that it has. And I can't say for sure. I don't know, but like. That's fat. That's actually very interesting. Cause it like doesn't always feel like that, you know? Um, but what you what I've done when, when I was driving across country a lot in the past year or so, mm-hmm. um, was there's a lot of place names that have mound in them. And if that's the case, then usually you can find a mound near there. And mm-hmm. so like, if I saw like mound road or something, I would pull off the highway and look for the mound. And that's a cool way to find them. Um, Cause I kind of started, I have kind of a burgeoning mound obsession, <laughs> you know? And yeah. part of that is like, okay, well this is like, You a mound man. I'm a. <laughs> well, then I was reading Peter Lavenda, and that got me even more interested. Right, like, yeah. Have you read uh, Sinister Forces? 
No, no, I haven't read. Uh, the only thing of his that I've read was the Lovecraft Codex. Okay, I haven't read that. Or the Lovecraft Code. Yeah, it's a novel he wrote. That's like it's it's actually supposed to be like, you know, um, it's essentially Da Vinci. Like it's literally like it's there in the title. Like it's the Da Vinci Code, except Lovecraft. Okay, interesting. Yeah, uh, there was a story that you told me. When we were camping, about an a, I don't want to spoil it, man. Um, an apparition you saw on a beach. Oh yeah. Do you want to tell that? Can you tell that? Sure. So, yeah, this um, this may have been around the time that I began practicing magic, or maybe it was before then. Um. I kind of doubt it because I don't think I really had any instances. I don't think I had uh, many instances of high strangeness like this before I started practicing magic. But basically, uh, I live in a town near the beach, and at, and sometimes I would uh, at night I would go walk on the beach because it's quite peaceful at night. Um, and uh, there was this uh, entrance to the beach that I was that. It's basically like you, you go down a hill to enter the beach. So one night I go there and it's dark and I, there's this shape that's just swaying in, in uh, on the sand. And it, it, at first I thought it was a garbage bag, like a black garbage bag that was um, just going back and forth. And I, it caught my eye and I was looking at it and his movement was quite odd. And like, I was like straining my eyes to make it out. Cause again, it's quite dark. And I, as I was peering at it, the, the shape kind of coalesced into a human silhouette. Like, like, like I, it was a, a, a human outline, like a person. And I go down the hill. So I'm like, this is somebody else sharing the beach with me. So I go down and I, I like, I was looking at the guy and as I get closer to him, I see he is um, uh, dressed as an uh, Orthodox Jew. So he's got like the the black, you know, pants and coat and, and, a, and a wide-brimmed hat. And uh, as I was walking by him, he would not let me, like he kind of, it was, it was weird. He was like facing away from me. And I noticed that as I approached him. I wasn't trying to get near him, but like I noticed he was like turning away from me. Like, so he would not let me see his face. And I, uh, I, I, I ended up saying like, I just felt compelled to say good evening. And then he kind of made like some, if I recall correctly, he made like some weird noise, like just like a noise, like a like, sort of like, not exactly a grunt, but he kind of made some noise, like, you know, acknowledging me. But I was just so freaked out. <laughs> it freaked me out. So I just started high knee sprinting away from him, like like belting down the ocean, getting away from this dude. And um, so that was a very weird encounter. And on its own, it does not sound like uh, like that. That in itself just sounds like I encountered some Jewish guy who didn't want to talk to me because, like, if you're you know religious enough in that in that faith, like you're not. Sometimes you're not supposed to talk to, you know non-jews so um but years later i learned that apparently ghosts not letting you see their faces a is a is a trademark uh 
characteristic of ghost encounters. Um, Interesting. At least I've heard, I, I, I think I've heard that, but I, I remember somebody else sharing uh, a ghost story with me and they said something, uh, they said that in their ghost experience, the, the, the ghost wouldn't let them see their face. So that's at least one instance. And I think I've heard it elsewhere that ghosts oftentimes will not let you see their face sometimes. Um, and I also heard years later, um, the, uh, another person was talking to me about their experience on a beach where they saw like some kind of weird black shape on the, on the, like kind of swaying, um, over the sand and then it coalesced into a uh, uh a human silhouette and these people were on acid and it but it was on uh it wasn't far from where i encountered whatever it was i encountered so in retrospect that encounter may well have been some kind of weird ghost some weird uh, jewish ghost yeah it sounds like it to me I- I, I I put a lot of stock in like the vibe that you'll get in a situation, right? So like there can uh-huh. be a totally normal situation in which you're like, this isn't right. Uh-huh. Like, that is to be trusted. That's the knowing. Yeah. That's part of it. That's part of the experience. So yeah, I've had some pretty mundane experiences that struck me as there's something weird going on, right? So then to have also a weird experience that strikes you as there's something really not right going on. Yeah. I trust that. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot with like Omen logic, yeah. which in like, and I'm wondering if I can apply Omen logic to every waking moment, you know, like sometimes it'll just seem like, um, I think you can read the world like a deck of cards. I think that there's a way of, yeah, I, I'm, I'm beginning to see that. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that's been pretty acute in the last few months. It's just been this uh, sense of the meaning and everything. Like, because actually, it was just like yesterday I was dealing with like, like, like I, I, I read something Chris Knowles wrote about like, you know, he's, he, he, he said like start a dream journal and a synchronicity journal. And then after a year, see if they aren't the same journal. So I read that yesterday and then I decided to start a sync journal. And like I, I encounter, I experienced the synchronicity. And then as I was jotting it down, like this deer just stops and look and like looks at me. Like I just noticed this deer that just like is mm. like, like it, it's like jaunting around. And then it just looks at me. And there was this moment where we we're just looking at each other, and then it just goes off, running away. Like and like and itself, like that is not a you know, I like I I would say most people would not consider that a moment of high strangeness. But there was something that felt meaningful about it i'm not and it's like just you know because like that's a park where i go to exercise and like the deer and you know just used to you know human presence sure and this deer just like looked at like you know just like decided as i was jotting down a particular synchronicity it just it just stops in its tracks like and it was bounding around like and then it just stops and looks at me it was just this yeah so, uh, so it was, it was relatively mundane, but the feeling and just that that moment, there's this. I I feel the significance there. I feel that there's something there. And the timing. 
Mm-hmm. It's all about the timing. Oh, not all about the timing, but a lot of it is about the timing. So like that happened right when you were writing about synchronicity and it, you know what I mean? Like, sure. Yeah. That could have happened any other time. And it's like, I personally, I think every animal encounter is a spirit encounter as well, but Oh yeah. Just like, you know, we're spirits too. Yeah. I mean, an encounter with a table is a, is a spirit encounter. If you, if you want to really get, get into it, like it's, everything is spirit as, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But it's like there's animals I try to pay a special attention to. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. There's a lot of like agency there. And um, yeah. I had a similar encounter with a deer uh, pretty recently too. Interesting. uh, We just kind of looked at each other, I think. But that moment where you're staring into this, you're two creatures out in the wilderness, you know, like, and you notice each other and that's it. Like, there's something to that. It's an, it's. Yeah. And I think like animals are in some sense more easily possessed than, than us. Like we're like very, we, our minds are very complex though. So, I mean, in some sense we're like, cause I kind of think like identity and all, like it's all just a kind of flow of spirits going in and out. Like you're, you as a human being are a repository of various spirits. Right. But like, it's hard for necessarily one to kind of get, dominance whereas like an animal perhaps like it's like i'll I'll use an example of one time i was uh there's this graveyard that uh i did a lot of stuff in you know in terms of like you know necromancy um and so i felt obliged one day to go there with a with a garbage bag and clean up a bit and uh and prior to this point this this particular graveyard was kind of a source of some like kind of gothic horror for me. Like it was pretty, pretty intense. Like the first time I did this, uh, uh, like I went there to kind of, you know, do the, 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 the classic graveyard activation. Like the, there was a herd of deer there and they were just like looking at me. Like I just walked in and these deers, massive antler deer, just walking around in the middle of the night, just bright moon and these deer. And I go there and I'm, you know, reading, reading, uh, from the Bible and this, uh, like it was, a a real moment. Like it felt like the guardian of the graveyard was expressing itself through these deer. Yeah. And so I went, I went, uh, back there sometime later and I just decided to do some, you know, clean, clean up. And, um, as I was leaving, there was this deer that was just looking at me and it was just like, and I was going down this hill in the graveyard. And as I'm leaving, this deer is just like looking at me and it's just like kind of looking at me in this, like, like not feeling threatened, but it was like, it just kind of, I didn't get the sense that it felt threatened. It was just looking at me and it was just like, like, and it, because I was going away, so it, I don't feel like it was like afraid that I was going to, uh, you know, start pursuing it. And then um, I just, there was this moment where I was looking at it, and I just kind of felt like it was that the the spirit of the graveyard was expressing itself through this deer that was, and and perhaps evincing some gratitude for the fact that I'd come there and and cleaned up a bit. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So the deer might not, you know consciously experienced it that way but it's potentially the case that you know the graveyard guardian 
perhaps, you know, put the, like, like compelled the deer to do that, to look at me. Cause it would understand that I would take it uh, a certain way. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do take issue though, with the idea that we're not as easily possessed. Cause I think we are, you know, I, mean, I think that like, there's constantly ancestors jumping into us there. Yeah. I mean, land spirits too, probably. Um, I mm-hmm. think that we are like quite often, especially, but I think, I think there are things that you can do to mitigate this. But I think a lot of the time it's happening below the level of people's awareness and they're not even, they don't know that that's what's happening. And, um, but these things act themselves out through people as well. I think. Yeah, I think no, like, I mean, what, sorry, but like I, uh, in Atlanta, when I was living downtown, when I, it was when I first was getting into magic. So not a lot of like wilderness or country settings, like city magic is kind of different, right? There's a different vibe going on. And like, but I would encounter a lot of people um, that I would be sure after the encounter that like, yeah, that was like an avatar of something or, or something was in them for that moment or they were doing the will of something else maybe like where I would encounter. So for the longest time, I was like, that wasn't even a person like that. That was a spirit. but that's kind of, that view has been a little bit refined to where I mm-hmm. think that like, yeah, sure. That was a person, but at that moment they were, something was channeling through them, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could well have been a person that I encountered in the graveyard who like, maybe like just, well, you were a person that a deer encountered in the graveyard. That deer was like, so man, I was walking and this guy just looked at me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. like you were embodying, you were being the beautiful face of your people when you were there cleaning up that graveyard. Mm-hmm. So you were in a way embodying like your well ancestors, I would argue, mm. you know, it's a way to see it. I don't know. I mean, oh, I think I was just, uh, yeah, like I understand humans can definitely be possessed and quite, and like, I, I, I have this idea that like, it's not necessarily my idea, but like all identity is possession. Right. So when like, like for sure, people are, are easily possessed. Like, you know, your, your, your name is like your whole sense of self is in some sense of possession, like of a spirit. That's kind of like, you know, your, your, like your body is haunted flesh. And, um, yeah, it's, um, and, and certainly like spirits can like possess people. Like if you're in a place like, like if you're in a city and the way people, the way just everybody there treats you, like that is in some sense the city, like you know, communicating with you, yeah, or uh, or treating you a certain way, because they are of the city, like they're c- constituent parts of that place, you know. So there is like possession, like going on, and humans are certainly um, that that can happen too. I just um, think yeah, it just depends on what's around, like how how these things are more likely to to emerge right if there's yeah. a, if you're in a place where there's a ton of people it's more likely it's going to happen through people if yeah you're in a place where there's more open more animals yeah more animals. and it's 
I just think a lot of people's minds, like a lot of people, like, you know, in modern Western culture, our minds are so crowded. Like we have so much like just, you know, like junk to some extent, like, like, like we're, we're, we're watching shows and listening to music and all these things like kind of come into us. And like, we, well, those things are possessing people. They are, they are possessing. So like sometimes the signal isn't clear with like people. So, like, well, it just depends like, on the signal to what? Yeah, right? exactly. So like, yeah. I think part of like this, part of this work is, or at least part of the work that I think that I'm here to do is to make it so that I'm channeling the, the, the channeling the things that I want to be channeled, not even the good or bad things. That's a, it's a matter of choice, right? Like the things that I, it's basically a matter of awareness, right? Because what I'm unaware of is able to have power over me. But if I'm able to have awareness and, and I think this happens to people that pray is that we are often like, the answer to other people's prayers, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, maybe someone's in trouble, and you hear this voice, like, "Go help that person," and you follow yeah. that intuition, and then that person maybe was, you know, was praying, or a, one of their spirit team was calling for help. You know what I mean? So, like that. I want that to happen more than me being unwittingly ridden by some sort of unwell ancestor that's just re, um, replaying some old trauma, right? But I think yeah. it's always happening. Yeah. And uh, what you say reminds me of something C.S. Lewis said, which is uh, prayer doesn't change God. Prayer changes you. Mm-hmm. So like, when you pray, you are bringing depending on who you pray to, but like you're, you're, you're if, like praying for others is bringing, is drawing out of compassion. Like it's like, you know, and like oftentimes if you pray to like, you know, praying to our lady, you don't go to our lady for revenge. Right. Right. You don't pray to her for like uh, smite my enemies and uh, help me uh, get back m- with my ex so that I can cheat on her. And uh, like, she did not meet. like, it's like, so like when you pray, when, I, when I find praying to our lady, I do find like, you know, I'm I'm praying for certain and I feel inspired to pray for others. Like I feel I feel drawn to. Yeah. And uh, I I feel that way praying to saints as well often. That's why I I like I think like as as a as a magician it's hard to go wrong with the saints because the saints will work with you. Like there's all kinds of people, all kinds of magicians who work with the saints, who pray to the saints and pray to like, and it's like, they, uh, you don't have to be, you know, expressly Catholic to, to, to appeal to them. And uh, they're safe. Like these, you know, Catholic deities, like, like they are so, there's a lot of, you know, the spirit world is very big and it's very dangerous. And that's why I just like, like, like saints are, are, you know, for the most part safe, you know, like they're not going to like, it depends, like there are some saints who are, you know, um, a bit hot, you know, um, Spicy I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to name names because you I don't, don't I don't necessarily want to invoke them, but there's some, yeah. Um, you know, if you just come like with the, if you just come to them with like, 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 if you just come to them genuinely and, and, uh, like, 
you know, it's, it's, it's rare that you're going to find one that's going to destroy your life. Whereas like a cathonic entity might, because there's like a protocol and it's like, you know, like they like to be respected and, you know, and I'm not saying don't, there are things that they'll do that you can go to them for, but, you know, uh, um, cross your T's and dot your I's. Yeah. Um, I think there's also something to be said for trying to, hmm, how am I going to say this without it coming off? Like maybe it's sometimes better to see what ones of those come to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, ah, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I can't make any prescriptions for anybody or give advice. I, I know what you mean. Like, yeah, definitely. Like if you feel like the, um, you know, there might be a sense of like, it's like, po like Pokemon's like, gotta catch them all. Like you just right. want to do all the magic, like do all the magic, all the Egyptian gods, all the Nordic gods, like, you know, all the saints, you know? Um, yeah, that, I think that way madness lies. Like, although I think early on, you know, that was certainly the case with me, I, I feel. And you just kind of end up finding, settling into, um, your pra praxis. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, part of, you know, the journey of being a magician, you know, I've heard Gordon describe it as like the, are you my mommy face? Mm, you yes. Know? You know, trying to find like what, what fits for you, you know? Yeah. There, and I think there's something to be said for dancing with the one that brung you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, um, and th that's, yeah. And like, that's why I think I vibe so much with Catholicism because the preponderance of my, ancestors at least recent ancestors going back some generations are catholic so there is that you know rupert sheldrake morphic resonance thing where it's like you know you're doing what your ancestors did there's less friction you know less friction because and so like you can slot in you know it would be perhaps difficult for me to just become a full-blown hindu you know although yeah. i have uh, you know i'm uh, you know ganesh has been very kind to me but I don't feel called to, you know, move to India and become a devoted Hindu. Right. Like I'd probably have a lot of barriers. Now, although Ganesh removes barriers, so you know, he he could potentially make that easy for me. Well, He's yeah, it's God. very possible, and people do it. But like the way I like to see it is, it's like my first language, right? Mm -hmm. So learning another language is very possible and people do it all the time and it's a rewarding experience, but I think in this language. And so it is going to be the quickest way to like hit that spot for me, you know? So yes. that's why like a lot of the Christian stuff works well for me because that's what I grew up with. And yeah, there's an ancestral proponent to it too, obviously. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but Christianity was my first language. And so it is the quickest to cut to the core for me, yeah. you know? And like, yeah, I vibe with a lot of other stuff too. Um, yeah. But that one's always going to have a special place. You only have one first, right? I, 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 uh, yeah, I suppose you're right. Um, and there is also like what your ancestors did. That's another factor. Yeah. You know, and um, like, I do feel like that, that is a, a fact, like this morphic resonance, ideas is i find very interesting i think with it a lot yeah and i think that 
when we're talking about going to the Catholic stuff, I think, and I'm not telling people to only stay within that tradition either of, of, and some people don't even know what their ancestors did, you know, um, they're not able to, or, or how, whatever it is, you know, some people are cut off from that. There's mm-hmm. certainly stuff that we're cut off from, um, mm-hmm. you know, but finding like an ancestral Catholic deity is nice because there's, I feel like there's a little bit more give to it rather than like just busting up into some place I've never been and being like, Hey, I'm your buddy now. You yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Cause like in some sense, I think like larger scale entities would see you and this ancestor who propitiated it might see you as in some sense, the same entity. Mm, yeah. Interesting. So they're, 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 you're familiar to them. They, they kind of, it's like, welcome, right. welcome back. Yeah. And right. There's some cool ancestral work being done there too. Like you're kind yeah. of, um, opening up the lines of communication again, dusting them off maybe. Yeah. And like I said, not to say that only, and like you don't have to stay in that, but I think it's a rewarding thing to check out. Like, yeah, it's uh, definitely worth going through like your ancestral lines and like seeing what's going on. Like it, it's kind of, it's, it's worth, it can be worthwhile. I don't want to say everybody should do it because you know, um, but uh, going like, you know, doing some genealogical work is essentially, you know, an ancestral practice. Like you're remembering them. Like you're remembering your ancestors. Like remember, like if you think about the etymology of that word, like re like members is like the your, your limbs and your torso. Like so you're reconstituting them by remembering them. And uh, sometimes like just remembering your ancestors is all they, sometimes all they want or is good for them. Um, it can be, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just I think that that's like the the hallmark human religion. Like that is like our ancestor ancestor veneration, veneration is our what's the word I'm looking for? It's like our um the Ur religion yes the Ur religion it's and it's innate to us right like Mm -hmm. even the saints have an aspect of it holy dead you know like yeah we revere those that have gone before yeah yeah like the early christian church was a bunch of hot goth chicks just collecting (laughs) dead people's body parts like yeah hanging out in cemeteries yeah with dead people and they were like cigarettes tattooed (laughs) just (laughs) struck yeah exactly Mm -hmm. yeah i think there's definitely something there um yeah no i think uh ancestors are uh like you can it's 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 uh very important to be in relation to them in, in my experience like and uh it's uh it's very like i think a lot of them i think with like the idea going back to that idea of like like you and your ancestors being one like uh entity like a, a similar thing um there is uh sometimes like if somebody a lot of people die unwell so something that i know is like like let's say i don't know how relatable this is but sometimes like i will like you know uh 
start my day and then I'll fuck up some way early on in the day. And then like uh, oftentimes that that thought will kind of stay with me and I'll be kind of trying to figure it out. Like what, what the fuck did I do wrong to kind of get myself into that mess? And like, it'll just persist and it'll, it'll detract from my performance that day. Like I won't be able to, uh, you know, go about my day as well. So there's like this lingering thing that I, and then like it, it oftentimes like it'll either like dissipate on its own, like I'll forget about it or it'll persist and I'll need to, um, it'll stay with me until I go to sleep. That seems to kind of cure it. Like you'll just get it, it like most times, like it'll just get it. It'll like, if it's something small, but like, I kind of see like ancestor ancestral trauma as a similar thing. And it's like, it's like this, this complication that needs to be addressed. Cause it, even, like, maybe it's better to think about it in a longer term. Like it's like, if something happened to you when you were young, and it like it, it, it persists in your mind and your con- and you're thinking about it a lot, like every day. Like that's something that needs to be addressed, um, you know. And it might be like like you know like you had like a relationship in high school that, that fell apart and you got you know your heart broken. Like that that's something you carry with you, and like it, it's a wound that if you don't treat, is going to negatively impact your life. And um, so like so too like the, i think ancestors like you can kind of think of you and any one of your lines as like an entity in an like collectively like as, as a single entity and a lot of times people die with the with the, all kinds of just the un, unlived dreams and uh um problems that they never faced and like that stays with you and it's like it, it's it's uh and even if you're sorted out, like if you're just like, like, you know, like a polished student, like your, your life is all, you know, whatever, uh, just, you know, organized and you've got goals and like, everything's fine. Like, like the, the, the ghosts of your ancestors, like the, the, the trauma that they face is going to, is, is potentially going to persist in you. I'll share a story that is, uh, Basically, so my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, she in the in the 90s, I think she wanted to move to Australia. Right. So she 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 had like a kind of view. She was kind of, you know, was kind of catastrophizing about certain doomsday scenarios. So she thought Australia was the place to go. And it was an idea that she was very attached to. And then she died in 2001. And uh, it was a few months later that my mother and my stepfather suddenly got married and we moved to Australia within a few months, like six months, maybe less. And it was actually the happenstance. It was just this very sudden thing that happened. And... Uh, and, um, I think about it a lot in that there's that Jung quote about, there is no greater influence on the life of a person than the unlived life of the parent. Mm. And, uh, that, you know, can be looked at in a strictly like, you know, psychological view, but it can also be looked at in a kind of haunted view, which is like, you know, my grandmother had this desire to go to Australia. And then within a few months after like her spirit may have moved across 
the waking world in order to make that happen for her daughter mm. and my and and me and my brother and my sister so um and actually when we moved away from australia i i always thought i would go back and like i was actually hell-bent on going back and i think that it may have been you know the continuation of that desire because like as you know with 2020 happened like we again you know i was facing like you know uh what can uh, i think accurately be described as a doomsday scenario myself and i could actually in, in in some like feel her influence during that time like i could really feel like she got woken up because it was familiar to her like there was a doomsday scenario and like i just kind of i was possessed by this desire to return to australia and you know as you're aware and probably your listeners are aware like australia was is not a great place to be given everything that the australian government has done in in the face of uh the health panic shall we say and um but i was like i was absolutely possessed like i was a zealot about moving back to australia and every a, a lot of people around me were like uh jack this is a going to be difficult and b what is it that you, you think is going to happen when you move to australia like you know you're going to be facing a lot of uh stringent measures like nope nope this is the this is the path this is what i got to do and i i just would i was completely i i just dismissed and all all the uh all the evidence that would contraindicate moving to australia and it it, it took me a while to get over that and i'm still really not over it like i i there is a tremendous fondness i have for australia um like uh, there is a lingering desire, like love for for that country for that land um but yeah so like this is something that i'm just giving this as an example of the way in which unresolved loose ends and the and and your ancestral lines can manifest in your in your uh in your life in your in your in your waking life that's cool that you give that example because I was just telling you I think it was before we started recording how I had moved out to um to Phoenix this past winter mm-hmm. to pursue um a business with a partner and I learned I think just a little bit before that that um my great grandpa actually died there like they had moved there and he died in Phoenix Wow. They weren't from Phoenix. <laughs> yeah. And so it was interesting too because I was doing a lot of ancestor work and just, you know, like it's a little too much to ignore. That is interesting. Yeah. So it's like, you know, maybe I don't know. Like, was I there to help? I was actually doing ancestor venerations like these seven day long um, ancestor veneration rituals during that time. So it's like I went to the land where my great grandpa died to do ancestor venerations. It's just, it's pretty, I mean, that's, that ain't nothing. (laughs) No, (laughs) it makes me think about like when you engage with a, any kind of spirit, or entity or divinity like your intent like your life is entangled with that 
like, and it will manifest in, in some way. So it's possible that by entering into relation with your ancestors, like, it's just like these things will happen that like you're, you're the, these co like, I don't like the term coincidence, but these coincidences will, will yeah. happen where it's like you're in resonance with, with, uh, like, these are the things that are coming through. Yeah. And then sometimes it isn't always clear, but it's like, like, cause I've noticed with, I've been thinking a lot about synchronicity because like I've had them like, you know, the amount that's been happening is like, um, it seems to be increasing and it's uh very, sometimes I get a bit Jim Carrey from the movie 23 about it, just pacing around, you know, just uh sleepless, like, what does it all mean? And, uh, I, I feel like my way of being with synchronicity, I seem to be groping my way towards like synchronicities will make can make because a lot of times people will just like there's this attitude that synchronicities are a sign that you're on the right path and i think that's that's i think that's limited i think that that's uh, a synchronicity can happen and it has meaning and um it's but it what there are many things that can cause synchronicity many things like there are the, the universe is filled with agency and all different types of agencies and and entities and so like i feel that lately the synchronicities have been more clear and more easily more more uh easier to define uh as i become more coherent like i feel like there is a call to coherence that i've been feeling like and it's like mm. um you know getting organized in my life getting organized in my thinking my values my goals like that seems to clarify it seems to it's it, it, i'm still as i said trying to formulate this idea but it does seem like the messiness of some of these synchronicities like isn't the fault of the universe like it's kind of it falls on me to uh make uh sort myself out and, and then, then they get things, focused right they get more laser like yeah yeah exactly and as a matter of fact there was one um synchronicity i had um a, a couple of days ago where it was literally i won't get into the particulars of it but it literally the 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 thrust of it was focus like it was <laughs> it literally the word focus appeared in it yeah so um so it, it yeah there does seem to be that uh, with synchronicity and so like with you with the ancestors like with phoenix like i don't know it's i can only speculate but to me it's like it's like it comes up it's like it's information like it might yeah. not be it might not have much context because it's just like this like biographical piece of that particular grandparent of yours like yeah. just showing up and aligning with yours oh i think there's there's good context and you know i just realized that i said ancestral veneration rituals i'm i meant to say elevation yeah rituals. Okay. i was doing elevations yeah i had a really interesting synchronicity yesterday these kinds are always fun where i was um so I'm doing the angel walk. Mm -hmm. Anyone that doesn't know what that is, that's part of the RuneSoup premium membership. If you're interested, go to runesoup.com. But yeah. um, I'm doing that, and the angel, the Shemham Farash angel is like an angel of healing, the one that I did the night before. And I was doing my running journey and I went with that angel and it was all kind of about healing. 
And then, you know, I'd called the angel the night before and it was telling me like all these things about being a healer and stuff. And I'm reading the field as part of the current course, the healing, the uh, energy healing course, right? But I've been wanting to read this book for a while, but I found it in a used bookstore. Well, I open my eyes and look up at one of the TVs in the gym, which I usually try to avoid, right? But I look up and one of the captions says the field. Yeah. Just, you know, it's one of those, it's like a wink. Yeah, it is. It's like, it's like, uh, it, it's, it's something, yeah. Like it's something trying to communicate with you. Like for sure. That's what's synchronicity. To, and sometimes the communication is just, Hey, this is real. You know what I mean? Or like, I see you or like, cause especially yeah. with angels, they're really, seem to be that is a big way that they seem to speak mm. is through those synchronicities through those those snippets and a lot mm -hmm. of the time it's just like yeah this is confirmation that you know not and you like you said like it's not necessarily that you're on the right path but it's like you are like i'm looking at the universe and the universe is looking at me mm -hmm. like you and the deer yeah you know it's just that mm -hmm. moment that when you're it's an eye lock you know yeah yeah for sure and it's like it comes back this uh, some idea that i'm kind of wrestling with this is uh, is whether or not everything has meaning like every single thing has meaning and that's something i've been thinking about with for a while and um which can kind of do your head in because it's kind of like it's pretty heavy to think everything has meaning and you right. know because there is like again going back to that lo omen logic thing there is a way in which you can't like i notice that when i do that omen logic kind of like when i put on omen logic glasses so to speak like it i have to experiment with it a bit more but it's possible that the universe just constellates around a question that you have yeah and that's what i think like move like doing things with intention is very important and that's something actually Cyprian uh, seemed to communicate to me. It's like, you know, just, you know, like he, he, he kind of seemed a bit frustrated with me. Cause like, I think I, I, sometimes I just act arbitrarily too much and like, I do things too randomly. And like, he was kind of, he used somebody that I work with to kind of be like, move with intent, like actually work. Like Cyprian can be kind of, you know, like he's there for you, but he's kind of stern. Like he's kind of, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, I get that too. So it's like, but when I've noticed that, like, it's, it's, it's possible that like you moving through the world with intent is in some sense, like you're like, who's to say that you organizing the world, like to achieve something is not like you're, you're not an entity forming synchronicities, like mm -hmm. how that might appear because you are moving with agency and using your agency to affect the world and you're arranging the world around a certain meaning. I like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's, yeah. I, and I think that like, I've noticed that like, if you do something with it, cause like, so, I think there is this t tendency to just like, you know, I don't know. I certainly flail around quite a bit cause I, I try to be a busy body and try to keep, keep up with, uh, like, 
just always be doing something lately. Although lately I've been feeling like sometimes I get, uh, it's hard to tell, but uh, I try to be productive and, um, and sometimes I don't think things through. So, mm. but I think that there is this, like, you need to actually move with intent. Like there's that Alistair Crowley thing about like every intentional act is a magical one. Mm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, the, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's, uh, try to do some experiments with it. Cause it's like, you know, if I go out with the intention of like achieving something like, like, even if it's just like, I, if I, you know, I go to the grocery store with the intention of finding $20 on the floor. Like I, I, I have like vague memories of like do experimenting with that. And like, it kind of, th- th- that kind of thing seems to kind of work. I don't know. Just, just having the intent to do doing something with an, a certain intention in mind. I'll experiment with that a bit and you can have me on for, for uh, again to see how that goes. Yeah. But, that'd be good. But yeah. Yeah. The so, po- I mean, the power of intention is, it's pretty huge. You know, we both do that on a regular basis. Does intention. Yeah. Power of eight. Power of eight. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's beautiful. It's just a real, just straight, like safe form of enchantment that I, I love. I really love it. It's, um, it builds community in a way that makes me think like, yeah, this is like just right. You know? Yeah, I love the RuneSoup community. Like, I love it. I, I don't know what I would do without it. Like, I've some, like, the people that I've met on there, like, you know, Gordon is doing a, like, there is a, he, it's a great good that he's, he's brought to the world, you know? Yeah. The, the it's, it's been life changing for me. It's been in, like pretty instrumental in like helping me make a better life for myself, too. It's not just fucking bubbles and sunshine. You know what I mean? Like, it's like has practical, yeah i mean yeah obviously yeah i'm lucky that i found him early on in my magical career because like there's a lot of weird directions i could have gone in and (laughs) and it was actually around the time that i started practicing magic was when i think he started the podcast or the the second one he used to do find the uh find the others and then he it was when he was starting rune soup as a podcast that i uh that that i um it was around that time that i just began practicing magic in general so I do feel like that the timing of that was uh, favorable. Um, like I'm, I'm, I, I consider I'm very grateful that I got to uh, sit at Gordon's feet um, early on and have him be a be a guide because like a lot of people fuck themselves up. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I could have very easily just yeah just lost my mind. Yeah. And that's not to say a lot of people do lose their mind doing this kind of thing. And like, but you know, I don't think anybody's irredeemable. No, I think sometimes it's the best thing. Like for me, the best, actually like the best thing that happened was that I did lose my mind to some extent. Like, yeah. Otherwise I kept, would have kept doing what I was doing. Yeah. We talked about that. You, you had this, uh, you, you felt that you were being pulled called to see see your addictions through to their ultimate extent like yeah. kind of let it let it burn out and uh yeah it's like reminds me of something somebody said to me uh down in missouri which was like 
um, and it is kind of one of those just like bong hit takes kind of thing, but it's like, I love um, bong hit takes. Let's have it. Yeah. It, it was, it was a phrase that was essentially like somebody was looking for purpose and her, her partner told her, uh, like she, she well, the, her, she was like concerned about like, you know, what is my purpose and life's destiny and stuff. And partner said, um, uh, um, the purpose is the experience and the experience creates the purpose, you know? So maybe you you going insane was 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 uh, uh, sufficient unto itself. Is the universe uh, or experiencing what it's like to be crazy? You know, yeah. You know, getting into a nice frenzy. You know, like it's got to happen. It's a thing that can happen, so it's got to happen. Yeah, yeah. I don't have any regrets. I do yeah. from my from <laughs> from my drinking. <laughs> I I didn't get into the uh you know the the substances as deeply as you did. I used to party up a bit though. Just party up a bit. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. There are some um, people who have there are some serious ghosts that I never want to see again. That seems to be a thing that I I feel like it's a lesson that I keep being invited to learn. It's like no matter how far off you've deviated or, or how much time you've wasted. It's like, just get back to it. Like, yeah. just get back to the thing you're trying to do. Cause a lot of like, cause like, you know, it's like, Oh, I procrastinated. Oh, I should have done this or a few years ago. Like, you know, it is literally, I mean, like at the risk of sounding banal, but the, you know, the whole thing about, uh, you know, the first, like the, the best time to plant a tree is 10 years ago. The second best time is now. Yeah. Actually the first, the best time to plant a tree is a, uh, uh, an astrologically elected moment to do so, but, um, <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and, um, and then the second best time, maybe 10 years ago, but, um, changing the subject is like a huge act of magic. I feel like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like, I think that there's going to be like some backlash for it or like, it's going to break the game, but it's actually like totally included in the game and is a legit move. Yeah. I, and I'm not saying that as a way to change the subject, but I'm just saying, like, I think that fits, right? Yeah. Like, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like, there's that thing fortune favors the bold, right? So it's like, it takes, there's a degree of bravery that it takes to just get back to what you're doing. Yeah. Like, even though if you've wasted so much time and you're just in the dregs and you like, you, you know, your life has become stagnant and there's no momentum, like, there is, I, I feel like the only solution is to just get up and keep going. Like I, and like, and there seems to be a way in which I, I feel like I have to reflect on this a bit, but I feel like I get rewarded when I do that. Yeah. It, it, like I there'll so be, too. there'll be things that happen in the, that are, that are synchronous that are helpful. Like it's like, actually I had an experience like that, which I won't get into right now, but it was like, kind of like this sense, like, Oh, I've done something. I've kind of, messed up quite a bit and i had this profound encounter with with someone i follow on youtube um and uh like um but it happened after i had resolved to be like okay i've messed up um i didn't think this through but i'm going to try to make the best of it like i'm in it like now i'm going to keep going and then it was within like an hour or so like i had this like chance encounter with this with the guy following youtube it was just this real like moment where it felt underlined where it was like, 
you know, and again, going back to the idea, like it felt like the synchronicity of the meaning of it was like, you're right, you are um, doing things without sufficient forethought, but this attitude that you're taking is good. So here's a, here is a, a profound chance encounter with someone that you, uh, that you admire. Yeah. You got thrown a bone. Yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I feel like that too. Sometimes when, um, when I'm tempted to break my routine. So like I used to, um, I feel like I used to get down on myself for going through the motions, but that's kind of useless. I find. And actually like when I feel like really not doing what I know that I've set forth to do, if I just do it anyway, regardless of how I feel about it, that gets rewarded too. Yeah. Um, And that's not to say that it's great to go through the motions or like have dry prayers or whatever, but like, just fucking keep moving. Just keep walking. Yeah. And it's also like, that's how habits are formed. Like a key to success in life is habits. Right. And it's like, if, like an exercise habit, like it took me a while to get a good exercise habit. Right. And I'm not always going to be fucking psyched to go to the gym or whatever it is. I'm yeah. Doing. Yeah. Like I, I heard somebody once describe it. It's like, it's a clock. Like it's, it's like the, the, ha- the two hands of a clock are pointed upwards and that's kind of like unity of purpose and desire. And it's like, you know, you have a desire to like start going to the gym and get really jacked. And it's like, cool. Like it's like there, it's like pur- purpose and desire and uh, you're, you're, you're revved and ready to go and it feels good. So the first few times it, it feels like you're, you're able to do it. Like it's hard, but you, you have the joy motivating you, but the, the, the minute hand of the clock gets further and further away from the hour hand. So let's call it the, the, um, the desire hand gets further and further away from the purpose hand. So it gets more and more difficult. Like they're less in union. And then it becomes like at some point they're opposite where it's like, and it's at some point along there, uh, along that process that people just give up. But that's also when it starts coming back to where it started. Yeah, but if, as long as you persevere, like it always like, comes home. As long as you persevere, like yeah. um, there seems, to, yeah, like you got to put in effort. And this so, is something I've been a victim of. Is like I like just that metaphor go, a lot. Yeah, and because eventually, then it'll it, then it'll get easy, and then it like come it starts getting easier and easier, and then it comes back around, and it's like you the know, the moment you, that it's farthest away is the moment where it starts coming back. Yeah, like so, like I have a pretty good exercise routine at the moment but it took me a while to forge that habit like and it took like 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 you know and it was pretty easy at first because i just had like an idea but like it requires discipline to keep doing it because i think that a lot of times people who just in general and in the and particularly in like in in the spiritual social sphere like there's the sense of like just go with the flow just you know go wherever like the timing can only be perfect and whatever and just do what you feel. like i i've lately felt very much opposed to that like there it's a balancing act it's a balancing act between discipline and being in flow like you, you, mm. you but you can't rely on one or the other like if you go with the discipline too much like you're going to become rigid and you're going to burn, burn yourself, yourself out. out yep yeah exactly but if you go completely with the flow like if you're in the ocean and you just let the current take you out you are going to be pulled out into the ocean and you're going to get ate by sharks 
Like it's, there is a, there, it, you are called, you, you have to, to, to um, apply some measure of discipline. And sometimes it's, it's all discipline and very little flow. And sometimes it's, it's uh, a, a lot of flow and, and little discipline. Like sometimes you, you, you gotta, you know, just uh, go, you, you, you need to pull it back. It's navigation. But it is navigation. And like, you need to play a part in it. That's something I've been feeling like with synchronicity and like, cause I've been thinking about synchronicity cause I've, you know, I've been experiencing them for years and like, there's been this radical uptick in them. Um, and I've noticed other people have been experiencing more synchronicities as well. Yeah, and I, think, I have too, I think, which is why I find yeah. it compelling. Continue. I think, and it has, I think it has something to do with the ontological turning that we're kind of living through and like the way that, you know, the, the way that the, the world seems to be, you know, of all the cycle models and things pivoting to, you know, a different, different world order. Um, but like the synchronicities to some extent, like I would, were kind of maddening because I would experience them. So it's like, well, this is divine order. Like this is so, so just keep on this path. And I would get very, very, very stressed out oftentimes experiencing um, synchronicity. Like I would like pause and like really try to pay attention. I would get paralyzed uh, paralysis by analysis. Mm, and like I, yeah. the conclusion that I've come to and, and what seems to have been reinforced by my lived experience is, you know, you need to, you know, there, there is a hustle aspect that I've been neglecting. Um, and that, that's what I feel like. Yeah. That that's very, that's of late been my approach to, or, or uh, view on synchronicity. It's like there's meaning and, and uh, it's up to you to find out. And, and part of that is, is getting, getting your life in order. Hell yeah. <laughs> I hope that wasn't excessively Joe Rogan. Like I'm not trying to tell everybody to just go out, start working out. Like, no, uh, I mean, I think it's good to hear. I think, I mean, I agree with you. Yeah. No, I, yeah. Like, um, good things take hard, like, like it takes hard work to get like good things, you know, like, uh, not always, but a lot, you know, like, and it's like, yeah. we admire, like we all admire at some level, like we admire hard work and we want to deserve the good that we get, you know? Well, and I think too, like it does, I think, and if anyone's listening that isn't at that place, maybe a little hope there is I know for me that I felt like a long time that I would never be there, that I would always be this undisciplined, blown-by-the-wind person. And when I look back, I can see, like, like this snowball effect, right? Mm -hmm. But I did have to be about my shit. I don't yeah, know. you're called to participate in it, you yes. know? This is a, another Gordonism. It's like we're co-creating the world. Right. Like, we have some measure of will. Like, yeah. I don't necessarily want to say free will. I think that's a fraught concept, but there is will and, and, and you have will for a reason. And like you, you, you got to exercise it sometimes. Yeah. You know? And so I can look back and see kind of all these things coming together for me. And then it just kind of like, it started to happen, you know, like little things added up, and became bigger and bigger. Little disciplines added up and became whole practices. Things became skills that at first yeah. were just kind of 
I was just trying something out and then they became skills, you know, and there, that does, I guess what I'm trying to get at is that, that there is hope that that will reach a critical mass and I can see that happening in my life. Um, and it's just, it's gratitude, you know? Yeah. And uh, like, I think that like, like things compound, like, you know, it's like, again, going back to that morphic resonance thing. Like I was talking about that in an ancestral context, but it's like you can look at it at the, uh, on the scale of like a single lifetime, like a single person. Like you know, you know, if you um, if you study French one day, you know, like just randomly, you're like, I'm gonna learn to speak French. Like you study French one day, like you have it. Like if your past has not included any study of French, you're going to be fighting some against some momentum. But every time you do it, you're creating this, this, you're, you're, you're creating momentum in that direction. And like, and obviously I'm, I, this, you could just be psychological about it. It's like, that's forming a habit. The more you do it, the neurons like, like form around that. And it's, um, morphic resonance. Like, it's like you do it and it's like the, the more you do something, the more likely it is to happen again. Like just, uh, be, and I think that there is. I suspect that there is more to it than just that material, uh, like your neurons are, are, are or you're, you're forming a habit just on a purely neurological level. Um, so yeah, yeah. like, um, the, the and, physical, and, the physical reality will grow to form the field that is being like, that's the morphic resonance thing to me. Right. So I am adding to the field of, being becoming better right my physical reality will grow into that field as a form of morphic resonance yeah and it might require some digging because there might be a bit of just accumulated uh dross or and that to me uh, is where magic comes in too or mm -hmm. it always it comes into everything right but like yeah that's a really good uh fertile grounds for enchantment yeah yeah and like spirits will see that and help you like i think that there's like i think it, it's possible that like your ancestors see that and like they'll they'll come to help you like there's that you know i think you know jesus said you know i help those who help themselves i guess i'll also i think it's chris rock who said this i saw this on like a meme or something but it's like when you're waving like if your car's broken down and you're waving on the side of the road trying to get help. Um, it's like that's you don't often like you know people are so suspicious now about um, uh, you know murderous hitchhikers you know that that they might they might not pick you up like so but if you start pushing your car by yourself then that's when you get oh that's you're very good. likely to get help. So I think that there's a way in which like spirits will help you like they see you trying to help yourself and like you'll like spirits will come down and help you very good yeah i think that that's one of the ways prayer works too is that yeah it's um and this i really kind of purloined from um recovery stuff but if i say a prayer and then take an action there is so much more of a chance, like maybe fucking 99% more of a chance that something will happen. So I could say a prayer and ask for something to come into my life and then sit in my room and wonder why 
when that thing will come into my life or why it isn't coming into my life. Or I can say a prayer and take an action and meet that enchantment halfway. There's so much more of a chance that something's going to happen for me. So like if I'm sigiling to get a job, I should also apply for jobs. Yeah. Yeah. There seems, there is that requirement to do uh mundane, uh, to, to do something, you know, to meet it's it like that. out in the world, to be and yeah. go into the world and meet it. Yeah. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. Um, there is, uh, and again, goes back to that, like, you know, that, that discipline flow dichotomy, there probably is a, you know, magic and mundane dichotomy. Oh yeah. Like, I like in that. a similar way. Like, it's like, you can't just rely purely on grit. Like, uh, you got to, uh, you, you, you do need to ask for help, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I actually had that one time when I was, um, I did a podcast, uh, my friend KP Burke pretty well, um, you know, he has a pretty popular podcast called American Loser Podcast. And he had me on, he's had me on a few times and he had me on to talk about Ayn Rand of all people. Yeah. Who, who I'm not like, I'm not, by no means am I an Ayn Rand stan. Like I'm not particularly fond of her, but I read the book Atlas Shrugged. It's a long story. Like I basically got tricked into reading it because I thought it was going to be the Illuminati Lord of the Rings. And it was not. <laughs> It wasn't. It was a, a an incredibly boring book. Like it just, I I regret every I regret it. But uh, in the course of reading that and then subsequently learning, I I have like this weird knowledge about her. Like I'm a pretty good researcher, um. So I can kind of. So I had this like. So he kind of came to me as like this. Um, since I knew a bit about her, um, to uh do the podcast and I did a uh, I did like a journey. Like I I, I as I was like cuz i had already i already knew a bit about her but i started like researching her for the podcast i noticed all these weird synchronicities in her life you know like um she shared a birthday or like no uh, the date there was some like serial killer that she kind of had this half admiration for really horrible not serial killer um cuz he only killed one person but it was a really brutal murder and she had this like admiration for him which i found quite sickening frankly um and so that guy's birthday was the day before her birthday um and then uh, and then i noticed that the day she died was the day before saint thomas aquinas's feast day and saint thomas aquinas is actually one of the philosophers that she had admiration for um which interesting because like she first of all she did not like giving credit because she was incredibly egotistical <laughs> um and she also had a uh a particular contempt for christianity she she considered christianity a religion for slaves but she did actually admire saint thomas aquinas's writings and saint thomas aquinas is someone who's shown up in my dreams before and like um uh has has seems to ha, have reached out to me you know like i've reached out to him for uh on, on various occasions like he shows up for dream guidance actually it's quite interesting and in um it's it those dreams are are quite interesting but um so i decided in the lead up to doing that podcast that i would do a journey it was actually on saint thomas aquinas's feast day and I, or was it the day she died i forget but um i did a journey where I, I prayed to St. Thomas Aquinas to kind of take me to Ayn Rand and like, show me what the meaning of all this was. 
and um there was a he um i won't get into all all that happened in the journey but he like i was trying to focus like it was like so journeying is something that sometimes i have difficulty with and i was like laying there and i was like all right i just gotta focus i just have to focus and like pay attention to the contents of my mind so that i can get into the get into this space and i was really like applying grit and um and then i i heard this voice say that's what she was always saying like and i i, I was like this moment where i realized that it it was it seemed like it was St. Thomas Aquinas saying like, this is what her problem was. Like she was always trying to do it on her own because Ayn Rand was essentially like, you know, her philosophy was, um, uh, you know, it was like she, she, she made her own philosophy called objectivism, but it was essentially like just being hyper rational, like using like rationality is essentially your ultimate tool to be in the world. And there was this sense of that I got from St. Thomas Aquinas that was like, you know, it's like, you're being like her right now. Like, this is what she was always doing. She wasn't actually, um, she didn't have, she, she, she would never. And in the course of the journey, I actually saw like it, I was with St. Thomas Aquinas and Ayn Rand and we were being shown Ayn, another Ayn Rand, a much younger Ayn Rand praying like on her knees, like kind of like, it was like, oh, like, she was being shown like what she should have done. Um, and so, cause Ayn Rand is like, a, I think a very good example of someone who's just the pure embodiment of grit. Like she was just straight up, like to the point, like she was all about just complete, utter dedication to completing, like fulfilling your goals. And, um, um, and using and to the point where she would like you know she was like addicted to amphetamines like she just was just doing speed to like you know and and plow through the, and you can you can see it in her work like it's very speedy <laughs> yeah. um and uh so but this this journey that i had was kind of like showing like the futility and relying on that like you actually need to um a ask for help if that makes sense i hope that i brought that home well like i, I i'm wondering yeah. if it, but it was like this sense of like the 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 need the the absolute need to pray to ask for help from on high you know like you can't do it on your own like we're here in the world we're mortal we're limited we're finite in our resources and our lifespan. Like we need to appeal to, we need to appeal to on high. We need to, we need to call for help from above. Yeah. I'm all, to, I mean, I'm all to, about yeah. that. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I hope that that wasn't just too trite. I was trying to make, it was just, you were talking about like the, the need to like, like have the spiritual but also like do the spiritual but also do the mundane but like it was a real profound sense and maybe in some sense that story was just essentially trite like it's just uh, like yeah pray so. but like it was a really <laughs> like this profound and i had it one I time i don't think that's trite especially not right now i think that's uh -huh. the most one of the most 
important things that a person can do in 2022 is pray. Pray, yeah, because it's like the the and and uh and be yeah, because like we're, we're you're up against you know you're up against uh a lot of us are up against a pretty formidable opponent, you know. Yeah, and uh you know it's 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 so you you do need to ask for help. And as soon as I'm able to ask for help. As soon as I do that, help arrives. It starts coming. Like, yeah. But I have to ask. Yeah. You know? And, and that was a big lesson I had to learn in my life. I wasn't willing to do that. And I, you know, I, so I relate uh, to the story you just told, actually, because I was yeah. also very speedy. But <laughs> Yeah. But I can't, you know... I had to come to a point where I was just willing to do anything to to change. And that started with as again, it might sound trite, but that started with a simple prayer. Yeah. And that was because, the beginning of it. Yeah. There's a humility in prayer that I think is important. I remember years ago. Um, I don't want to, I'm not going to, uh, there was a, a comedian I know who was talking to me about therapy and he was talking about a therapist that he was, um, unhappy with because the, this therapist recommended prayer and he was just, he was just like, oh, no, thank you. Like he was a smug in his, you know, material rationalist atheism. And like, I was like, I found it kind of appalling because I'm like, this guy is a neurotic mess. And, and you're paying someone to that knows better than you to tell you what they think you should do. And then being like, well, fuck that. Yeah. Like he was just all being all smug and arrogant. It's like, you're going to a therapist. Like, it's like, you know, and, and like, I, 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 in my mind, I was like, he should just pray just for the exercise in humility. Just to pray yeah. to something like, like just for the humility. Like he, he, you know, obviously this person seemed to be an atheist. Um, so it's like, you know, but just, just for the, just for bowing your head, maybe getting on your knees, just asking for help. Like, it's like, I don't know. I, I remember I, I actually kind of, he's, he's actually all right. He's a nice guy, but <laughs> um, it was but just that's a uh, huge barrier for some people. And like, what can you do? You can't force anyone to do anything, but I just know in my experience that, yeah, that was, that was really important for me to do. And I think too, that if I want what someone has, I must become willing or I not, must is the wrong word. If I want some, what someone has, I need to become willing to do what they did. And to submit myself in humility to that. If I want what they have. And you know what? I don't have to go after what they have. But if mm -hmm. someone has what I want, I've learned that it's important for me to put my preconceptions aside for a second. I don't have to do it forever. That's the nice thing about the reality tunnel. Let me just try it on. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, sometimes I, you got to crawl through your belly. 
crawl, yeah. crawl through your belly, crawl through the cave on your belly to find the hidden gems. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you mentioned Cyprian uh, seemed to, to communicate something like that to you. Like, if you want what I have, then do what I did. Yes. And uh, I feel that way with Cyprian. Like, Cyprian's very much, you know, about the work. Like, he's there for you, and like, but he just kind of, he, he wants you to, um, you know, there's, there's effort involved. Like mm-hmm. it, it's, it's almost Jordan Peterson a bit with, with Cyprian. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. That's a funny image. Yeah. <laughs> you need to clean my altar. <laughs> <laughs> and there you have it. I promised Jack I wouldn't end on his Jordan Peterson, St. Cyprian impression, but I lied. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the show. Do you experience weird shit? Have you had experiences that don't lie within the confines of consensus reality with its bogus and bland narrativizing? More importantly, do other people make you feel a little crazy when you talk about it? If you fist pumped or even just said yes to any of these questions, drop me a line at timjsailor at gmail.com. That's T-I-M-J-S-A-I-L-O-R at gmail.com. I'd love to have you on and hear your story on the show. Remember, you are never alone. I believe you.